Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Romans chapter 11 and the other in Ezekiel 24. We are in a series called Crazy Asks. And as we begin today's time together, uh, I just wanna make an observation. And the observation is this, for most men, for most of us participating in, in this live stream, uh, your life is full of what I would call loves. In fact, when we describe a man, we describe him by what he loves. Someone will say, well, what's he like? And we'll say, oh, this guy, he loves, and then fill in the blanks. And for most men in general, at the top of the list of what we love is people, people who are close to us. And then maybe our hobbies, our sports teams, uh, the types of food we like, or if we're into music, uh, etc. But back to what's at the top of the list, which is people, because for most men, uh, they, they love deeply, they have people in their lives that they love deeply, spouses, children, friends. Because that's true, um, there's a downside to life as we know it. And the downside is that anytime you love anyone deeply, those people can be taken away from you without your permission by any number of unplanned or unwelcomed events. And if you're like me, uh, I know many of you know exactly what I'm, I'm talking about. And that's why we call them losses, right? We say to someone who's lost someone they, they care deeply about, I'm sorry for your loss, right? and losses suck. There's no other way to put it. Why? Because a piece of your life is missing, right? Losses of people in our lives are the most emotionally challenging thing I think that any man can, can go through, right? There's no playbook for how to navigate when you lose someone close to you. Um, and there's no class that we sign up for uh, because we don't really expect it uh, to happen. Um, and so to dial it in, probably to its most visceral level, when a husband loses a wife, that is excruciatingly difficult and a crazy ask, both in life and from God, for all the reasons we mentioned. Meet Ezekiel in the Bible, a man called by God and asked by God proactively to give up what he held most dear, his wife. In fact, God calls Ezekiel's wife the delight of his eyes. And the reason he has made our Crazy Ask series is that his story is our story as men of faith. God will require us to suffer the loss of things we love. Sometimes the most precious things to us, uh, Jesus said as much that that would happen um, on, on earth. And as we'll see, God knows this kind of ask in life uh, and of him is never easy to accept. And he doesn't expect us to just go about it like a robot and he should know because he had to do the same thing in giving up his son, 
Jesus. Now I want us to pause there for a second. Why is John 3.16 so powerful that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would never perish but have eternal life? Why is that verse probably the most famous verse in scripture so powerful? It's powerful because it involves the personal loss of a son for a higher purpose. So I'm not gonna lie, part four of Crazy Asks is a challenging but necessary session for all men of faith in navigating moments of loss because navigating a moment of loss can involve either an eternal perspective in the midst of confusion and grief, or it can be exploited by the enemy if we lose sight of who God is and how he acts to advance his purposes. You see, for his own reasons and for his own plans and for his own purposes at specific times, God will allow us as his sons to suffer losses, but it's not loss for loss sake. It's a loss to gain more of his purpose. Whenever there's a loss in God or in life, if you are a man of faith, there is also a gain of his purpose, right? Now, this morning, or whenever you're listening to this, your loss might not be the loss of a person. Your, your loss that you're experiencing or have experienced or are in the wake of that loss might be the loss of a dream. You thought something was gonna roll a certain way, it didn't, and that's a loss. Your dream has died. Uh, might be the loss of an ability, all right? Might be physical ability. It might be the loss of resources or finances, all right? Might be the loss uh, of a connection. There's been a fracture and a, a very close relationship that, that you have. Um, it might, might even be uh, a physical loss. Now, here's where I wanna go with all this. I want to go to the Bible and just get God's mind on the losses and gains of this life under God and, in, and li doing life in God, right? I wanna get the Bible's perspective. And then we're gonna look at Ezekiel. We're gonna look at the backstory of his life. We're gonna look at the crazy ask by God. And then we're gonna examine the rest of the story. And then as we've been doing in this series, we wanna really percolate out what's God saying to us personally as a result of this time. So take a look at your downloaded uh, notes. And uh, just to give some context, we're gonna look at three scriptures. And the context of them is that every man will experience losses, right? Not loss for loss sake, but losses to experience God's purpose. So let's look at three scriptures, then we'll unpack three truths, all right? First scripture is in Romans 11. It says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things, 
to him be the glory forever. Amen. Now we want to go to our next scripture, which is Mark 8, 34 to 36. It says this, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And our final verse is John 10, uh, 17 and 18 on this whole topic of losses and gains in life. It says this, the reason my father loves me, this is Jesus talking, is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from the Father. All right, there's our three scriptures. And now let's look at three truths related to those scriptures. And the first truth about losses and gains in this life is that loss and gain, write this down, is an ownership issue, All right? That's what Romans 11 is talking about. It says that the wisdom and knowledge of God are unsearchable, his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out, who's ever given to God that God should repay them. And then it says this line, one of my favorite lines from the Bible, for from him and through him and for him, are all things. To him be the glory. Did you catch that? It begs the question by the way the scripture is stated. Who does it belong to? Everything in your life. Where does it come from? Who owns it? Uh, who does it belong to? And if everything in our lives is from God, then God can do whatever he wants with what is his. Isn't that one of the, the guiding principles of living in a free society is ownership of property? It's yours, and you get to do whatever it is that you want. Sometimes I think, just because we're human, uh, we get to thinking that the things in our lives are ours, the people that we get to enjoy time with are ours, um, our family units are ours, when the fact of the matter is, is that it's from God and it's through God and all of those things are for God and for his glory. That's a mind sh mindset shift, but if we if we don't have a clear vision of God and a clear vision of who are the people in my life that God has given me this amazing opportunity to either steward or manage or be a dad to or relate to as a wife or manage as, as a father to my kids, you know, where do they come from? Whose are they? And for what purpose are they given to me? If I have that wrong, when we experience losses, uh, they're going to take over 
um, our perspective. And that's the second point here related to the passage in Mark chapter eight. Loss and gain are a perspective issue. You hear Jesus, and this is one of the most famous uh, calls uh, of Jesus where he's ratcheting up uh, his definition of what it means to follow him. And he says, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, right? So taking up a cross is a picture. It's a word picture that he's painting. Crosses are synonymous with losses. Something dies on a cross 100% of the time. And then it doesn't end there. He says, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and then follow me. So the taking up of the cross is, hey, you know what? There's gonna be loss in following and serving God. But then there's the gain, and that's where the gain is following Jesus. And then in, in verse uh, 34 or 35 and 36, he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake uh, and for the sake of the gospel, we'll save it. Then he says this, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their own soul? This is the language of losses and gains. The cross is a loss, following me is a gain. Losing worldly recognition, worldly self-gratification, worldly materialism, worldly hedonism, all right? Losing that is, may feel like a loss, but then we gain our soul, right? The things that could be God, we lose money, fame, visibility, pleasure, the things that we exalt as purposes when they're not purposes. We lose those purposes and then we gain our true purpose, the purpose for our soul. We gain heaven. All right, we realize we're made by God, for God, and we're going to God. And so we gain actual real life and we let go of the false fountain. So loss and gain, write this down, is a perspective issue, all right? It's just a perspective issue. So loss and gain is an ownership issue. Loss and gain is a perspective issue, all right? It's not loss for loss sake, we're gaining if we're loving and knowing and serving God, if we're acting in his interest. And then lastly, loss and gain is a recovery issue. And that's why I put uh, the passage from Don, John chapter 10. It's Jesus talking about how he's gonna lose his life. Now, Jesus knows what it's gonna involve. And uh, we read about that in Matthew 26. A lot of discomfort, a lot of pain, a lot of torture. It's the worst death ever suffered by any man ever, both physically and spiritually and emotionally, right? But Jesus is saying, if we lose for God's purposes in this verse, it's temporary. He says, um, I, I, don't, I don't lay down my life. You can't take it from me. I lay it down to take it up again. So when God asks Jesus to come to earth and to die a death, it's not a loss for lost sake. He's, he has the authority to take it up again. And that's really what I want you to know. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what losses you've had or having now or are experiencing or what's on the horizon that you don't even know is coming. But I want you to know that God has authority uh, 
for all loss, especially the deepest, most powerful ones that we can ever experience as human beings, which is death. He has authority over that. And if you're a Christian, you participate in Jesus's authority. We're crucified with Christ, we're resurrected with Christ, right? God is in the business of redeeming losses. That's because he has the authority to do it. So I really want us to remember that the losses and gains we experience, that it's an ownership issue, God can do whatever he wants with my life and anything in my life. It's a perspective issue, all right? If we suffer a loss and we're loved by God, the loss is not a permanent loss. There's a gain to be had, whether it's in this life or the next one. And then third, it's a recovery issue. God has authority to recover whatever is lost and actually multiply it into something far greater than whatever the loss is. We have to think rightly about God when it comes to the losses we experience. Now, let's, let's take a look at Ezekiel and the headline uh, for today's study is a precious possession collides with a crazy ask. And so let's look at the backstory, all right? We find that in Ezekiel chapter 24, verses one through five and 10 through 12. So let's get a little context, all right? In the ninth year, in the 10th month, on the 10th day, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, son of man, record this date, this very date, because the king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. Tell this rebellious people a parable and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, put on the cooking pot, put it on and pour water into it, put into it the pieces of meat, all the choice pieces, the leg and the shoulder, fill it with the best of these bones, take the pick of the flock, pile wood beneath it for the bones, bring it to a boil and cook the bones in it. So heap on the wood, kindle the fire, cook the meat well, mixing in the spices and let the bones be charred. Then set the empty pot on the coals till it becomes hot and its copper glows so that its impurities may be melted away and its deposit burned away. It has frustrated all efforts, its heavy deposit has not been removed, not even by fire. So here's, here's the backstory. First part of it is Israel's rebellion, okay? So when you think of God and Israel, when you read this book, you know, so many times in so many instances, and I'm just gonna draw analogy, this isn't true of, of all teenagers, but it's true of many teenagers. Um, Israel acts sort of like uh, a teenager, you know how teenagers sort of run ahead of themselves and uh, they like the idea of being an adult, but then when they're confronted with the issues, the actual realities of being an adult, they don't like it anymore. That's Israel, all right? Uh, they rebel, they act like teenagers. They, they like the idea of being God's people and having God um, do things for them in their lives, but they can take or leave, in many instances, acting like God's people, and God calls that rebellion. Now there's a powerful lesson. Just side note, what does rebellion look like 
Well, the idea of liking being a, a son of God, the idea of liking being a Christian, but then just sort of taking or leaving, acting like one, all right? That upsets God, we should all see that. So that's part of the backstory. The second part of the backstory is Israel's refusal. Okay, write that down. Refusal to do what? Believe that God would actually let a pagan king and country take over Jerusalem and the temple. And again, kind of like a teenager, right? They're just like, you would never do that, okay? Well, God wasn't messing around. And Israel's refusal to believe required kind of a, a, a drastic action. And, you know, he shares, you know, this parable, this picture of cooking something, burning it beyond recognition, and then just letting it sit there, let the cattle grow to kind of burn out all that's inside of it, and the, and the analogy that God uses is, you know, I've tried to get your attention, I've tried to, you know, turn up the heat of circumstances, I've tried, I just can't burn away through pain, different types of pain or instruction, uh, this impurity in you, this rebellion, and so I'm just gonna have to turn up the heat even, even higher, right? You know, that's a, like an expression that that, that we use, right? Well, the heat has been turned up. Why? To accomplish some other purpose, right? So the backstory to what's gonna happen to Ezekiel is Israel's rebellion, Israel's refusal to believe that God would do what he said he's gonna do. And then the third part of the backstory is Israel's reset, all right? The circumstance had to get hot, all right? He was gonna allow a foreign power to take over Jerusalem and the temple, to defile it, to finally get his kids' attention, all right? To burn, in spiritual terms, this, this unholiness, this, this lack of perspective, this lack of recognition of God and what his desires were, um, to, to make a really serious point. So that is uh, the backstory. Israel's rebellion, Israel's refusal to believe that God would do what he said he was gonna do, which is judge Israel by letting someone invade and take over Jerusalem and the temple. And then uh, the backstory is for Israel's reset. There's a, an intention behind all of this to, to get them back into relationship. All right, now, let's get to the next section of Ezekiel 24, which is the crazy ask. So Ezekiel, uh, here's this word from the Lord, um, and then we roll the film on what happens next, the crazy ask. The word of the Lord came to me, it says in Ezekiel 24, son of man, with one blow, I am about to take away from you the delight of your eyes. Yet do not lament or weep or shed any tears. Groan quietly. Do not mourn for the dead. Keep your turban fastened and your, and your sandals on your feet. 
Do not cover your mustache and beard or eat the customary food of mourners. So that's what we were talking about at the outset, right? You, you know a man by what he loves. And God describes Ezekiel as a man who loves, loves, loves his wife. In fact, um, he describes it, his wife as the delight of his eyes. And nothing fancy there. When he sees her, something inside just really bursts. And it's positive, and there's an intimacy there, and there's a love there. So he's telling Ezekiel, you're going to suffer the loss of something very precious to you, and then gives him some directions uh, for how to process the loss that are very unusual. So let's unpack it. Ezekiel's loss, number one, was a message of personal clarity. Write that down. So Ezekiel is the man of God over a people of God, a people of God that are in rebellion. They're refusing to believe that God will do what he says he's going to do, and God needs to reset them. And the clarity is this, and I'm sure that any dad watching me can relate to this. Have you ever said, you're not hearing me? All right, so let me be clear. And um, that's what God is doing as Israel's father. He's saying, you know what? You wouldn't, let me be clear. This is what's going to happen. Um, and, and now that I'm going to take uh, Ezekiel's wife, that is going to get you to snap to attention. It's like, it's one of those, all right, you weren't listening before, let me be clear, boom. The man of God, the righteous man, Ezekiel, he's gonna lose what's precious to him. You're gonna lose what's precious to you. And we'll see as we move along exactly what that looks like. So it's a message of personal clarity. Second, it's a message of emotional gravity. You know how when People were watching Jesus die on the cross. That was a message of emotional gravity. Why? Because he was a good man. He was a compassionate man. He healed the sick. He delivered people from demons. He fed people. He hung out with people who thought they could never be close to God. And he, he divested himself of his dignity by just hanging out with them. And here was, you know, uh, that guy hanging on that cross in the same way as, as Israel was going to see Ezekiel suffer a huge loss, one that they knew clearly that Ezekiel loved his wife, a righteous man being punished, just like Jesus was. That was earth-shattering. That, that, that got their attention. This is emotionally going to hit him. And then third, Ezekiel's loss is a message of loving authority. Again, we talked about this, the recovery issue. Uh, God is over this. It's God's loving authority over Ezekiel's life, over his people. And this is not a stab to kill, right? It's not an end in itself. 
It's a cut to heal and reset their relationship with him. And he was going to use Ezekiel to accomplish that higher purpose. And, and guys, let me just say, Ezekiel's path and journey at some point in your life will be your path and journey. You'll get to a crossroads where something very precious to you, and it may not be a person, it might be, like I said, a dream, a capacity, resources, some, some way of life that you thought you'd live, it will be taken from you. But God's loving authority is over what's happening. And if it's come that far from straight from the intention of God, then there is a higher purpose within it and his purpose is motivated by love and whatever is lost will be recovered if we respond to the loss as best we can in faith. So this was a loving thing, as odd as that sounds, but you know, it was odd when God killed his only son and tortured and crushed his only son. You know, that was a loving thing. Crazy, right? Crazy to ask Jesus to do that. But out of that, what seems to be terrible thing comes salvation and transformation. And so as we talk about this, I just want you to know that we're not talking about something in a detached way from God's perspective. He knows exactly how this feels. He knows exactly how some of you feel right now. So let's now move from the backstory and the crazy ask to the rest of the story. Well, well what happened? So Ezekiel is told by God, I'm going to take your wife. You're not going to mourn. You're not going to shed tears. You're not going to do the ceremonial cultural things that men normally do when they lose a wife. Roll the film. So I spoke to the people in the morning. And in the evening, my wife died. The next morning, I did as I had been commanded. And then the people asked me, won't you tell us what these things have to do with us? Why are you acting like this? So I said to them, the word of the Lord came to me. Say to the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am about to desecrate my sanctuary, the stronghold in which you take pride, the delight of your eyes, the object of your affection. The sons and daughters you left behind will fall by the sword, and you will do as I have done. You will not cover your mustache or beard or eat the customary food of mourners. You will keep your turbans on your heads and your sandals on your feet. You will not mourn or weep, but will waste away because of your sins and groan among yourselves. Ezekiel will be a sign to you. You will do just as he has done. When this happens, you will know that I am the Lord. And you, son of man, talking to Ezekiel, on the day I take away their stronghold, their joy and glory, the delight of their eyes, their heart's desire, their sons and daughters as well, on that day, a fugitive will come to tell you the news. At that time, your mouth will be opened 
and you will speak with him, and you will no longer be silent. So you, Ezekiel, will be assigned to them, and they will know that I am the Lord. Wow. So do you get the picture? The background is, man, they're not listening to God. And they're refusing to believe that he would take such a drastic step to bring them back to him and back into a right connection and relationship with him and reset them. And he's going to use Ezekiel to get their attention. And he does. You notice in the passage, uh, because Ezekiel is doing what the Lord commanded, which is not mourning, not weeping, keeping his turban on, not covering his mustache, all the things, he gets their attention. They're like, okay, tell us what these these things that are going on have to do with us. They, they start making the connection, as God knew it would, to how does this relate to us? Why are you acting like this? You're not acting normally, right? So what God wanted to do is being accomplished, right? And then the word of the Lord comes to uh, Ezekiel, and he says, you know what? You thought I wouldn't do it? And so I'm going to take away the joy and delight of your eyes, right? Jerusalem, the temple. I'm about to do something really, really hard um, because you need to be reset in your relationship with me. You need to know that I am the Lord. And right now, God's just putting that passage from Jeremiah in, in my mind. Let not the, the, the wise man boast of his wisdom, the rich man boast of his riches, or the mighty man boast of his might, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord, right, who exercises loving kindness and righteousness and justice in the earth, for I delight in these things. You know, prophets have this interesting job of just letting people know the heart of God. And as God speaks through them, there's a consistent theme. God wants you to know him. He wants you to have an accurate view of him, an accurate understanding, you know, and to think about him in the right way. And there's a lot of guys watching right now, and you're suffering a loss. I don't know what it is but God's over that loss. And I don't know all of God's purposes, but I do know one thing. He wants you to know him. That that is always the singular purpose for, all, for the losses that we suffer, is to know him better, to seek him, to come back to him, to end a rebellion sometimes, to get thinking right about who he is and how you're living and to reset your heart and your mind and your soul. And I just know right now that God is resetting men's hearts right now. This is you. You've either been in rebellion or there's been a refusal to align your life with God or there's some loss that, that, that you've blamed God for you refuse to see that he was in his loving authority allowing it to happen to work in your life. Can you stretch right now 
in your faith, knowing that God knows exactly how you feel, God has suffered the same loss in sending his own son, that there's a higher purpose. Are you ready to embrace that purpose and know the Lord? You see, guys, um, God is saying, and I want you to write these things down. God is saying right now to us, put in my hands everything you hold dear. You know, you're going to suffer losses. But in God, losses are not losses for losses' sake. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. So losses are gains, gains that we might see in this life or gains we're going to become very aware of when we see Jesus face to face. But either way, we have to get our thinking right. Everything we have in our lives belongs to God. Now, doesn't mean that we love the people in our lives less. God loved that Ezekiel loved his wife and that she was the delight of his eyes. Um, he loves it when a man loves a woman, when a dad loves his kids, when, when bros love their bros. Um, but wives, kids, friends, bros, they're God's. They're his. They belong to him. So it's, it's good to just be reminded, fellas, <laughs> I know I love my wife, I love my kids, and I love my friends, and I love my bros. But all of them are gods. All of my dreams of what I want to do, they're gods. All of my gifts, they're gods. All the resources I have, gods. Every bit of physical health I have, it's gods. Every ounce of energy I have, it's gods. Put everything that you hold dear into my hands. That's what God is saying. Are you willing to do that? Secondly, God is saying, whatever it takes, I will do. You know God loves you that much? God knows that you're imperfect and you're flawed and you got issues. All of us do. But you know he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. God loved his people too much to leave them the way they were. Immature, rebellious teenagers. He wants a mature relationship with you. He wants a, a healthy connection uh, with you. And God will do whatever it takes to win a right, healthy, intimate connection with you. God's trying to do that right now. I can just see so many of you. You have an unhealthy connection to God. Parts of your life are under your control. There are things that you think God would never do when he would do them to get a better relationship with you. And that's what he does with his people and that's what he does with his sons. And he has the loving authority and wisdom and character to do it. Even if it means that we suffer a loss. Third, God is saying, you are my instrument in my hands. You know the Bible talks about how we are a vessel for God and an instrument for God. You're something that is used by God. A vessel, a container, right? The Bible calls us a jar of clay. We hold a treasured possession, okay? Jesus, all right? The Bible says that we're an instrument in God's hand, right? So whenever you pick up a screwdriver or a hammer, that's an instrument in your hands to use how you see fit. Are you willing to surrender control of your life and be used as an instrument 
in God's hands because that's what, that's what God wants to do, especially right now with his sons. He wants to use us, guys. He wants a movement of spirit-empowered men who understand that everything's God's, who understands that God will do whatever it takes to make this relationship with uh, him healthy, that God will use us. God has works for you to do in and through your exact circumstances. He wants to use you just like he used Ezekiel. And he doesn't have to take a, a spouse or a kid. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that he wants to use you right now. And then lastly, God is saying, you will know that I am the Lord. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're gonna be going through. I don't know what you've suffered in the past that lingers on like, like a bad dream, right? But the guiding principle for why God is moving in a certain way or allowing some losses to happen is that he wants you to know him better. He wants you to see him better. He wants to use you better. And just like he told Ezekiel, you know, this is a, this is a negative thing that's gonna happen, but man, it is going to burst out a positive purpose. My people are gonna know who I am, and I'm gonna use you, and even the pain that you're gonna go through to get their attention, and to let them know that I have loving authority to do it, and it's gonna reset them, and they're gonna know. They're gonna know that when I say I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it, and they're gonna know I'm the Lord. From now on, our relationship is gonna be different. But that's the guiding principle for everything that happens to you in your life. So whether it's a painful thing or a success or a victory, today we're talking about losses and gains, all right? God wants you to know him better. He wants, he wants as, as Jeremiah says, that I am the Lord. I want them to know I am the Lord. Don't boast about your stuff, your position, your image, what you have, strength, might, wisdom, power. Don't boast in that. If you're gonna boast in anything, boast in this, that you understand and know me. That's the guiding principle and why God does what he does, and why God does things that, we, that confuse us sometimes. The reason why we're confused is because we think that's the most important thing. It's not the most important thing. The meaning of life is knowing your maker through Jesus Christ and getting to know him and, and being used for his purposes. So what does this study, what we just read about, what God is saying have to do with you right now? I put a couple verses here at the bottom of your downloaded notes. Job 121 says this. This is Job talking. And just for context, he's lost everything. Here's what he says after losing everything. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job called by God to suffer loss, but not loss for loss's sake. He has the right perspective. We come in with nothing, we leave with nothing. You know, the old saying, you know, there's, can't bring a U-Haul to heaven, not bringing all of what we think is so important to heaven, but knowing the Lord, Job got it. May the name of the Lord be praised, right? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, that's life. But my walk with God, that's gonna be a consistent thing. Doesn't mean that I take losses like a robot. 
I'm going to grieve, I'm going to mourn, but I know that God is good. May the name of the Lord be praised. Can I get an amen? The second scripture that, that, that directs us into what this story and ask with Ezekiel has to do with us right now is from Hebrews chapter 13. It says this, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Now, what is a sacrifice of praise? Praising when everything's going great, that's not a sacrifice of praise. That's Thanksgiving. God, look at what you did. Thank you so much. A sacrifice of praise are when things are not going good, but we thank God anyway for who he is and that he is still good, even though we're not going through a pleasant thing or we're going through a hard thing or going through a loss, that is a sacrifice. That takes faith. If you wanna know what you give to the God who has everything, a sacrifice of praise. And man, sacrifice of praise takes courage. Sacrifice of praise um, takes humility. Sacrifice of praise takes a real understanding of who God is, the same God who through the torture and giving of his only son secured our salvation and our redemption. You can offer a sacrifice of praise to him because he knows exactly what you're, God's good. I, I don't know what you're going through, but God is good. The Holy Spirit is saying right now to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men right now, God's good. Don't listen to that liar. Don't listen to the lie that he's not good. He was good when Jesus was bleeding and dying and, and hanging on wood for you. He was good then, right? Your prosperity, right, doesn't mean God's nearer, right? He's just as close in your adversity. He was close to us and his purpose was being worked out on a bloody cross. It's being worked out in what feels kind of a bloody loss. It, it's taken its toll, but God's still good. Offer him a sacrifice of praise. And then the last passage that directs us into what is God saying and how does, how does, what does this have to do with us right now? Just like the people of Israel asked. It says this in Hebrews 5. It says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. If you're a believer, if you've crossed the line and you know Jesus Christ and the spirit of Christ dwells in you, you know what's happening? You're being made into his image. So if Jesus lives in you, God is making you more like Jesus. And the Bible says that although he was a son, first family status, the closest possible person to God, Jesus learned obedience from the things which he suffered. How do we learn obedience? In the process of becoming like Christ through the things which we suffer and, and Jesus said as much. We suffer loss in our journey on earth, but that's what perfects us, that's what corrects us, that's what directs us into God's will. And what did Jesus become? He became a source of blessing. 
eternal salvation. As we become like Jesus, as we learn obedience, not just in our successes, but in our losses, right? We become like Jesus. Guess what? We become to others a source of salvation. Ezekiel was God's instrument and became a source of salvation and reconciliation in God. As people see us obedient to God, not just in the good times, not just praising in the good times, but in the losses, offering a sacrifice of praise, confessing God's goodness, obeying God, even when it hurts and when we're dazed and when we're confused, people will say, why are you acting like this? And our response, because God is good. He was so good that he sent his son and crushed him and tortured him so that I could know him and spend forever with him. And so that's why I'm not bitter. And I just wanna speak to those guys right now. You've suffered a deep loss. Maybe it's a personal loss. Maybe it's a wife. Maybe it's a baby. Maybe it's a child. I don't know what your loss is, but you're mad at God. And he understands that that was the delight of your eyes, just like Ezekiel. But he's still good. He's still working out his purpose. And your loss is not a loss in itself. He's gonna redeem it if you let him. If in faith, in a courageous faith, knowing how good he is, just knowing he was good, that he's, he sent his son and he suffered a great loss too, that, that that goodness is in operation right now. Can you trust him? So guys, as a community of men, we need to pray for our brothers who have suffered losses. And we need to prepare ourselves as brothers. So let's bow our heads and pray and let's ask God to move. Lord, this earth, man, life is hard sometimes. And there are a lot of us who are really experiencing the worst that life deals out. And we pray for one another right now. And we put in your hands everything we hold dear. Lord, forgive us for losing perspective that even the people that we consider ours are not ours. They're yours. We just, we just get to be a steward of the relationship for a little while before they go back to you. And we're grateful. We're grateful for wives we're grateful for new babies and grandchildren. We're grateful for kids, young and kids that are adults, friends, brothers. Lord, we put them back in your hands, God, and release them back to you. And Lord, I thank you that um, in every man who's hearing the sound of my voice, you're doing whatever it takes to accomplish all of your purpose in their lives. And together with, with them, with him right now, Whatever it takes, that's our prayer. Whatever it takes to accomplish all of your purpose in our lives, and that might involve us being your instrument, and if that is true, so be it. Be it so that we are your instrument, your vessel, holding a precious possession, an instrument for your glory, even 
in the way we go about our pain and our losses, declaring and confessing your goodness so that people look at us and go, man, why are you acting like this? God, we, we wanna know that you're the Lord. And Lord, we confess that that is why everything's happening in our lives, good and bad. The totality of what our circumstances are are designed by you to get us to know you and have others come to know you through us, to be a sign like Ezekiel was to the people of God. And so, Lord, we surrender to that calling, the calling of Ezekiel to be a sign to the world that you are real. Jesus, your loss was our gain. And we pray that whatever loss we might face, have faced, or will face will be an eternal gain for us, for your purposes, for the salvation of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I know that um, today's study uh, it hit a lot of you uh, almost like a bruise. You know, I, I, we poked the bruise this morning. <laughs> Please let me know how I can pray for you. Please let us know at Everyman. You can just send me a note, KennyL at EverymanMinistries.com. Just send me a note. Let me know how you're doing, and we're going to be praying for you here as the Everyman team. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.